the following podcast is intended for adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The Iron Realm, Chapter 84 The Wood Elf and the Wizard And upon the wall, the hideous head continued to scream, its mouth forced open by the wizard's secret spell. With this accomplished, and with their exit now revealed, the dwarf took the opportunity, perhaps their only chance, and he led his comrades through the exit and into the mysterious Hall of Dreams. This way, everyone! Way, everyone! Hurry! Hurry! Amazon turned to follow them, but he hesitated. The elf girl, Lilena, was down, having been held by the remark's fury. Her eyes closed, and her lips parted slightly. Lilena's thin body was marked by his violence naked upon the cold stone floor, and she was unconscious there, and when Amazar saw her, at once pity for her was roused in him, as well as hatred for the one who had done this to her, and in that moment he refused to flee, and so he then knelt down beside her, taking her small form gingerly against his bare chest, almost affectionately, and he took one of her hands in his, trying quietly to rouse her with his words. Elena, come now. We must leave this place. He whispered to her. We must never let him win. The door is open, child. Defy him now and take to your feet. It is time to go. Spawned even as Amazard continued to try. A second ring of shards fell upon them, and he covered Lilena with his body as they fell, sustaining the worst of wounds like spears in his back. Out of the corner of his eye, he could see that Kailana was continuing to hold her ground, her legs apart, and her hands held up in preparation for the casting. She met Amazar's glance for a moment, just for a moment, and he knew that she was terrified, but he felt his pride growing for her also, for he knew that she would do what he had asked of her until the very end. He returned his attention to Elena, whose head slipped slowly to the side, and he knew that he was losing her. She was small compared to him. He was strong enough to carry her out, but before he could take the woman up into his arms, the healer, Twyla, was at his side, putting a hand upon Lilena's chest and delivering a sacred power into her that roused her. She gasped in his arms, thrusting her small chest forward, taking in the air and opening her blue eyes again. 
pick up your things, woman. The wizard said to her, releasing her from his arms, and then gathering up the polearm that was Treya's, and her bows, and her sword. Hurry now, he says, suddenly more kindly. I shall help you. Lilena scrambled across the floor, cautiously through the fire and the smoke, taking quickly her clothes into her backpack, and Kai's clothes, and the rest of her belongings, by touch. As they continued to work, and as the Gumark summoned a further attack on them, Twyla is beside them still, and, holding her intention upon the handmaiden of Aphrodite, she touched the silver blade to the wizard's back. The bleeding wounds that Amazar had felt there were closing quickly, and he nodded in thanks to the healer before leading the blind Helena towards the exit, hoping that she might be spared from a certain death that was soon to be delivered upon any who were not strong enough or quick enough to escape. I welcome you upon your return, travelers, to the 84th episode of the Iron Realm Podcast, The Map Master's Journey will continue tonight as we flash back to details given by Celeste about Gamma One and those chambers and corridors that she knew. But of course, that will not be all. The battle against the Grumark continues. So stay with us, travelers. The continuing journey of the tribe and the drama and the danger continues tonight on the Iron Realm. Travelers of the Maze. Of late, I've been listening to an exciting new podcast called Tale of the Manticore, created by a listener loyal to the Iron Realm. It's been my pleasure, and I think it will be yours as well, to partake of this dark fantasy solo RPG homage. The initial similarities are very interesting, but the creativity of Tale of the Manticore launches from there into a unique and original fantasy world unlike any ever before seen. Join Gyrios, Umura, Soleil, and Keegan as they fight their way back from the brink of starvation and from captivity at the hands of the Goblin Tribe. The dice decide all upon the harsh planet of Mirith, and indeed their fates are tied to every chaotic role, for if they do not have the dice god's favor, then dead 
<laughs> is dead. My congratulations, Tale of the Manticore, for an excellent podcast which does delight your maze master and is sure to delight your fellow travelers, too. I present to you now the teaser. Enjoy. Are you looking for a D&D podcast for the dark side? Something more like Game of Thrones and less like Monty Python? Tale of the Manticore is part dark fantasy audio drama, part solo D&D RPG. There's no plot armor here. The dice make all the important decisions. Join me as I resurrect the excitement, wonder, and emotion of old school D&D. Made for a mature audience, Tale of the Manticore is both a fiction and a game. It's the story where chaos rolls. You can find Tale of the Manticore at taleofthemanticore.blogspot.com and I believe it is available on Apple Podcast as well. My congratulations again, Tale of the Manticore, for starting off your new podcast with a bang. May you have dozens more, and many listeners too. Your allies are here beside you, from the very depths of the Iron Realm. The Iron Realm, copyright Abel Enzo, is the world's first play-by-podcast fantasy campaign. A portion of tonight's audio has been provided under the Creative Commons Attribution License by me, Alexandra Drotsrug, also known as Thora, the Dwarven Warrior. Full notes are given in this episode's show notes. Journey you well in the light and in the dark. Iron Realm. fine indeed, and tonight its secrets are revealed on the Iron Forge. It is called Swiftfoot's Fury, also known as the Promise Blade. Class, Magic Sword, World of Origin, Sentinaya, former wielder, Hardo, Swiftfoot. Composition Bronze, length 50 inches, weight 7 pounds, 13 ounces. Base damage, 1 to 8. Combat bonus, plus 1, plus 1. Known powers, none. Description Made of bronze, the sword known as the Promise Blade is plain, but it is very well made. It is old but strong and sturdy. There is no design upon it, and it appears to be a wholly practical weapon. The grip is long, allowing the blade to be held by one hand or by two. The weight of the promised blade is pleasing, even perfect, allowing one who is proficient with swords to wield it expertly and well. History 
It was deep in the Vale of Elms that the halflings decided to settle, having traveled many miles from across the river and into a lush and mild land. The first years were hard, for they had little at first, but they worked the land as they wished, and they dug out tunnels under the hills for themselves, while tending to, to their gardens and farmlands, fighting back those animals and plants that were troublesome, while encouraging the growth of all the good things that they loved. Tomatoes, onions, potatoes, leeks, apples, and of course, grapes. The halflings loved the land, and they tended it well, and in so doing they gained the blessing of the forest spirits who lived in that region. There had been no explicit contact, but a feeling of contentment settled over the valley, and the fruits grew bigger, whilst the work went better. In eleven short years, all had been transformed into a humble paradise. Their numbers were growing too, and every spring brought them more little ones, who seemed to grow faster than the plants and the crops, and assuredly they were loved even more. But the halflings were not alone, and it would come to pass that the bands of kobolds that lived further to the south soon became jealous of the halflings' success. The kobolds lived in the deeper wood, and they had not the tools nor did they have the knowledge to create a community as sophisticated as that which the halflings had made. In early days, the kobolds would arrive offering trades, and the halflings accommodated them politely as possible. But over time, the kobolds decided that they wanted more than could be accomplished by trading, and so they resolved to conquer the Shire of the Valley of Elms. Hardo Swiftfoot, the blacksmith, was one of the leaders of that Shire, and he had been well wise to the kobolds' plans from the very start. When they came, he stood ready with a militia he had raised, and he outfitted them all with swords of bronze. His own particular sword was named Swiftfoot's Fury, and, with the blessing of the wood bestowed upon it, he used it to cut down the kobold chieftain, halting their attack and convincing the others to think twice before ever attacking again. It would be passed down through the generations to the many heirs of the Swiftfoot house, and eventually to Stockholm, who would also call it the Promise Blade. Properties. Swiftfoot's Fury is a plus one plus one sword due to the enchantment laid upon it by the forest. Behind the screen. The group adds a few more areas to the map of Gamma 1, as have been revealed by Celeste. These are relayed by her to the best of her memory, and Stockholm, the dwarf, is instinctively able to fit these into the existing map precisely and accurately by his skill. At position 30, 11, there is an L-turn which points to the north and to the west, 
whilst the western way is closed off by a door. Beyond it, there is a room, room 43, the inspection zone, which is at 2511, 2813. In addition to the door that is already known, there is also a double door in the northern wall, and this can be found at position 2611. Marak's chamber is at 1811, 2013, and it has a door in the northwestern corner on the northern wall. Marak's chamber is room 33. Directly next to it, room 34, is a prison cell. At position 2111, 2313, there is a cage door at the very center of the northern wall. Room 29 is also a prison cell at position 1814, 2016, and it has a cage door in the very center of its southern wall. Whilst next to it, as you might have imagined, is room 30, another prison cell, at position 2114, 2316, and there is a cage door in its southern wall right at the center. At this point, a long corridor is suggested, a long row 10, which is to the north of the inspection zone, and to the north of Marek's chamber, and the prison cell, number 34. And indeed, that corridor stands as it is. Now also revealed on column 24 is another corridor nestled between room 34 and 43. This stands as well, and it connects with a T at position 2414, and that T's base points to the east. Moving further east beyond that T, there is a straightaway of three squares, whilst to the south of that T, at position 24, 17, there is another T with its base pointed to the north. And this T is a little bit special, for it has a set of double doors at the very center of its southern wall. Let's draw in some of the rooms in this area. Room 31 is the Hunter's Quarters. It is at position 1818, 2220, and it has a pair of double doors in the northern wall which can be seen from position 2118. And just to the north of room 31 now, there is a corridor suggested which passes in between room 31 and the prison cells 29 and 30. The whole thing connects up with the altern you've already indicated at position 1717. There is also a crystal room which is room 28, and this can be found at position 23, 18, 25, 20, and indicate the crystal with an asterisk shape at the very, very center of this 30 by 30 room. Next to it is room 32, Gorthax Armory, at 26, 18, 29, 19, and it has a door in its northern wall, which can be seen from position 28, 18. Also, there is a corridor directly north of Gorthax Armory, and let me give you a hint as to exactly how to draw it. Starting from the T at position 24, 17, if you travel the eastern way, there is a straightaway of four squares 
headed to the east. And indeed, this is the corridor passing just to the north of Gorthax Armory. Room 42 is the torture chamber, and the set of double doors that enter into it are already known to you. The room itself is at position 22-5-27-8, and you may draw it in, indicating a large table on the western side, and perhaps some evil implements that may be employed by the goblins in this space. There is one more minor note. Celeste remembers a T at position 49, with the base pointed to the north. And to the west of this T, go ahead and indicate a straightaway of two squares, which connects up to the rest of that area known for level Gamma 1, the Goblin Kingdom. This concludes the map of Gamma 1, as it is known by the tribe. What else may be known? In the future, this is yet to be seen. Tribal Matters It is the eighth day of Sakaris, 8.20 a.m., the group has been a day without food and a day without water, which puts them at a minus two penalty. The life points for the wounded are as follows. Stockholm, 27 out of 30. Kailana, 4 out of 8. Len, 8 out of 18. Temek, 12 out of 18. Amazar, 3 out of 8. Iona, 7 out of 16. Paola, 13 out of 20. Lelena, 4 out of 5. Orson, 8 out of 12. Nora, 22 out of 27. Nim, 15 out of 18. And Master Brevik, 3 out of 9. They are in the Grumark's chamber, position 17, 19, 18, 23. The spells by the group are as follows. Kailana, Mystic Missile, times two. Amazar, Door Denial, times two. Orson, Ventriloquist, and Hovering Disc. Len, Hands of Healing, times two. Nim has Hands of Healing, and Nora's Horn is also at the ready. And the Handmaiden of Aphrodite is as of yet available. Initiative, the tribe, a four, the Grumark, a one. The wind shakes violently and it sways as the Grumark shouts at them through a mouth he can no longer close. Chunks of rock begin to fall from the ceiling, smashing upon the floor, only inches away, deadly, threatening to destroy them in an instant. As the walls crack and the burning steam begins to erupt into the room, Amazar looks over his shoulder as the others escape through the exit while he kneels down beside Lilena, who has a hand against her temple. Pick up your things, woman, he says, gathering up the polearm that was Treya's and her bows and her sword. Hurry now, 
he says, suddenly more kindly. I shall help you. Lelena scrambles, taking her clothes into her backpack and Kai's. Twyla is beside them and holding her intention on the sword. She touches the silver blade upon Amazar and he is healed, receiving three life points. Though her healing is now spent, she resists the impulse to flee, intent on being there when her mother is at last rescued from the unholy pit. Nearly used to 1823, beside Kailana, and heals her for two life points using healing hands. Kailana struggles to hold the spell with all her might, knowing that any sudden movement or mistake on her part could trigger the spell, perhaps disastrously, before it is time. Those still under the illusion and within the Grunach's chamber are now allowed a new role versus wisdom. Amazar, nine of failure, and Lilena, an eight. She has broken through the mind control. Stockholm feels the rope go limp, which is fortunate, for they have reached now the end of it. He yells to the others to hold tight and wait for Solace's signal. They rest in place, looking to one another briefly before returning their attention to the Grumark. The room seemed to be spinning and shaking just a moment ago, but now, as all of them regain their senses, the fire is gone, and the shards of the shaking and the collapsing ceiling are gone as well. Yet the steam from the walls was not fully an illusion. Some kind of gas is flooding the chamber now, and the scent of it is becoming strong in the air, and all of them begin to choke on it. Now is given a death save of the first kind for each person who is in the Grumark's chamber. Stockholm, he fails and takes two life points. Nora manages to hold her breath and avoids some damage. Brevik, a failure. He takes a life point, and he is now down to two life points only. Thora is unharmed, and Len is unharmed also. Orson and Kailana pass, and another pass. Amazar, a failure! Amazar takes five life points of damage now as he chokes and coughs in the fumes. He is down now to a mere one life point. Lilena. She fails as well, taking a full three life points as she succumbs, now down to one life point as well. Nim and Twyla, they've avoided the worst of the gas, taking no life points. Amazar, still in the thrall of the illusion, must also now make a death save of the fourth kind to avoid what he perceives to be falling stones. Let's have the roll. A 19! This is a pass. Amazar takes Lilena by the hand and with no further delay leads her next toward the exit. Hurry now. Amazar attempts too to call the unicorn girls, telling them that their mother is in good hands. Twyla and Nim hesitate at first, then hurry to gather the last of their belongings, as well as Nora's and Celeste's. 
as they watch the wizard and the elf vanish into the Hall of Dreams. Since I figure each of them has only half a measure of gear, their move should be 60 feet, slowed to 40, enough to reach the exit. Round 6, initiative, the tribe, a 6, and the Grimark, another 6. They will act simultaneously. Then there is a sudden signal on the rope, three quick tugs, and Stockholm tells the others to begin hauling for their lives. The second eruption of gas occurs, this time directly from the Grimark's mouth, and the cloud spreads out to engulf the chamber, a billowing crimson gas that smells sweet, but feels like a sandy spray of sharp glass sand within their lungs. The vapor settles everywhere, on the floor, on the roof, on their hands, and soon as they pull, the tribe finds it all too easy to cut their hands as they continue to pull on the creaking rope. There is no escape from the cloud of crimson gas. All within this room will take 1d6 life points of damage, determined now as follows. Stockholm, 6, Nora, 1, Brevik, 2, Thora, 6, Len, 3, Orson, 4, Pelana, 2, Nim, 4, and Twyla, 4, life points of damage. Revic succumbs and falls, with blood erupting from his mouth and into his beard. He lets loose his share of the rope as he falls, even as Twilight and him continue to struggle towards the exit. They're slowed to just ten feet per round, so even with the double move, I'll be placing them at position 1821. Meanwhile on the rope, Stockholm, Nora, Thora, Len, and Orson continue. Thora, fall back! Shouts Stockholm. Take Brevik out! Thora complies, letting loose her share of the rope as well, and then pulling Brevik towards the exit. Otherwise unencumbered and determined, Thora is able to drag his body across the floor, the full distance to the exit, and through it, but moving him has been costly, for he has taken a point of damage from it, and a further three from being dragged through the sharp glass particles on the floor. Four more life points of damage to Master Brevik. Those still remaining on the rope must now make a strength check, and I am giving them a penalty of two for their exhaustion. However, the success of any member will allow the group to continue their effort. It's four dice, and here they go. Nora gets an eight, and Orson a three, and that is enough to pass the check. Round seven. Initiative. The tribe. Four. The Grumark. A six. Again. The Grumark has ended always open by sheer force of will. And again, his powerful mouth begins to close. The instant she sees this, Kailana lets loose the next casting, and she must make a successful intelligence save, penalized by ten in order to succeed. Here comes the roll. 
with the life of Solus and Celeste hanging in the balance. It is a 17. Too high. She has failed. But in the instant of her failure, the elf Orson has dropped his rope and fired off a surprise spell of his own hovering disc. This one was Kai's, and it had been taught to Orson that there is more than one way to use a spell. Before all could be lost, Orson shot the spell into the Grumark's open maw, wedging it open with a shimmering disc of pure force. I don't know how long it will hold, shouted Orson, and all his comrades on the rope began to pull faster. The elf waved Iwana towards the exit, but of course, it had slammed fully shut. In desperation, Kailana sank to her knees, putting her hands on the wall where the door should have been, producing two red trails as she sank, dragging her hands down along the wall. As their strength began to give out, Stockholm and the others began to shout down into the void, desperately calling for Solus and for Celeste to hurry. But the hovering disc was already failing. And now the rope was beginning to break. With their magic quickly proving inadequate, with the only exit to the chamber now gone, will this be the end of them all, sealed inside, and soon to be excoriated alive by the red cloud of crimson glass.